What is good? How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E man, David Ingber. Joining me now, David, you're looking uh, You're not looking nice and salt and peppery. You look like your beard's had a nice trim. You look it like was you're getting, feeling good. It was getting a little too long. I know that about a year ago, I got my wife to give me a haircut on this podcast. And that was when we were all doing kind of like fun quarantine content. I was like, hey, we're all at home. We're doing silly stuff like that. It's been a year of this. At, at some point, I just got to grab the scissors and just start chopping off stuff on myself on my own. So that's what I did. You cut your own hair. I cut the sides of my own hair. Yeah, I'm leaving the, the top pretty long. Oh, yeah. What happens when you do it yourself is you develop a nice little mullet, like a nice little <laughs> top and back thing. Uh, I got my hair cut last week uh, at the recommendation of someone in hair and makeup. And the guy was very excited to see me. Uh, and, you know, you have to wear a mask in yep. these places and so he turned it and so my ears were like flipped out uh and within i would say 40 seconds of cutting my hair he snips my ear my earlobe yeah and you know like when you get cut and you want to say ow but you're also like i just met all these people and i don't want to <laughs> seem like a drama person and so i heard him go oh and then just kept going as if nothing happened and i was like i feel like you cut my ear off could you feel and, the blood pooling on your shoulder? Uh, then he goes, oh, it, it appears you're bleeding. Oh, God. And I wanted to go, is my ear just randomly bleeding again? Is it doing that thing where it bleeds out the earlobe? And so he patched me up and he was great and everything was great. Uh, you know, but then I, I woke up the next day and I took the bandaid off and I was like, there is so much blood. Uh, so that was so apparently I just got to cut my own hair. Yeah, you know what you did. That's the uh, the barber equivalent of that sketch that we love from um, I think you should leave, where the guy's too polite and trying to act cool while he's choking. You did that while you were possibly bleeding out of your ears. Choking, not choking. Speaking of hair, uh, I think he still has long hair. We're going to be joined very shortly by Cassius, Cassius Marsh, uh, someone who's been in the NFL for a long time, played on a lot of teams but also the Seattle Seahawks. And so I'm going to ask him about the dynamic between Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll and the Seahawks because there are interesting reports. I just read a very lengthy article from The Athletic that goes back multiple years where Russ seems to be unhappy with Seattle. Seattle seems to be unhappy with Russ. Russ is over here apparently giving up trade, like, Teams that he might be interested to be traded to, uh, including the New York Jets, which I found to be interesting. Um, what were the other teams? Jets, Dolphins, Saints, and Raiders. Um, wow. I'm just it it, it make it made the article brought up all these times where Colin Cowherd was saying Sierra wants to live in New York. Uh T Tyron Matthew once tweeted years ago, Russ wants to live in New York. It's it's super interesting, especially because we still have Deshaun Watson out there. Uh, former Bleach Report employee Bill McCandless tweeted at me and saying this is the Tom Brady effect. It's it is something that this offseason we are watching quarterbacks Matt Stafford go to L.A. and pretty much leading that charge. Carson Wentz pushing himself to Indianapolis. It feels like the NBA in a yeah. way. But Russell Wilson, I just, it, I don't, are you surprised by this? I am. 
I'm just amazed at seeing these top, top, top tier quarterbacks all seemingly up for grabs. I mean, Matt Stafford is one big domino, but we're talking Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers might land somewhere else, Russell Wilson. I mean, I feel like it was a big deal when someone like end of his career, Carson Palmer changes teams and we're like, wow, look at that. Carson Palmer on the Cardinals. Pretty interesting. Mm. And it was like, this is now, oh my God, like, is this how it's going to be like it is in the NBA where Kevin Durant might jump ship at any moment and James Harden might change teams at the drop of a hat? Is this what the NFL is going to look like over the next 10 years where you get a quarterback like Justin Herbert and four or five years down the line, he's like, you know what? I kind of want to go play in, uh, uh, you know, the other LA team. I don't know. Uh, in the article, it explicitly brings up the fact that Russell Wilson won the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And so he was at the stadium for the Super Bowl. And he watched, there was one paragraph that jumped out to me where it said he watched Tom Brady, who went there and really got to pick his situation and, and really found coaches that were going to challenge him. And then Patrick Mahomes with an offense in which it emboldened him to lead through the air. And it really sounds like the obsession with the running game in Seattle. What I found fascinating through this article in The Athletic, and props to, to everyone there that put that together, it's almost as if Pete thinks that Russell Wilson is given too much slack and that he hasn't been held accountable enough. Mm. And Russell Wilson believes Pete Carroll has been given too much slack and isn't accountable enough that Pete Carroll can do whatever he wants and he doesn't face any repercussions. And Pete feels the same way about Russ. And so we have almost a Spider-Man meme of people being like, no, you're the spoiled one. And it's interesting right. to me because um, we are a, a player centric show. Uh, I remember when James Harden went to Brooklyn and most of the media said about, uh, by the way, castigated him, not castrated him, castigated him. That's a correction for Draymond Green um, about his decisions. But I'm sitting over here watching James Harden and I'm arguing with Shaq in commercials because the Thursday show likes to say that James Harden's dribble, dribble, dribble. And I'm going, Shaq, actually right now he's dish, dish, dish because he's leading the NBA in assists at over 11 a game. And the Nets look damn near and impossible to beat. And Kevin Durant isn't even playing. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at James Harden and I'm seeing him be happy. And I'm seeing Kyrie and KD be happy. And the thing is, is that Pete Carroll's been there for a really long time and he can be there for a really long time, but the window for these athletes is so small. And so whenever I'm about to say that an athlete is, is a little bit selfish or they're, they're abusing their power, I just realize that their window is really, really tiny, you know, like, Oh, Deshaun Watson's 25. He's got his whole career. He doesn't have that much time left. Let, stop acting like 43 years old with Tom Brady is a norm. Okay. Right. We talk about it like this because it's crazy. All right. Like 33 is supposed to be old. So Deshaun Watson has eight years left. Uh, I, I know I'm getting into Deshaun Watson right now. I just want everyone to know that when JJ Watt sits down with you at dinner for two hours and he tells you to get out, we shouldn't be questioning whether Deshaun Watson wants to get out. Okay. Like these quarterbacks are just realizing, man, I got, I got these crappy teams around me. I don't have a good offensive line. The coach doesn't really do what I want to do. And I need to take all of the blame for this for two, three years. 
There was a story that came out recently where Jay Gruden admitted that Kirk Cousins was not the one at fault when he spiked it right before the half against the Eagles. This is a play that Eagles and Washington fans will remember that it was actually the wide receivers faults. It was Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon that lined up incorrectly and he was going to get sacked, but he had to take it. And that's the thing about sports is that quarterbacks have to take it. And I think they're done taking it right now. Well, I'm interested uh, the coach aspect of this because we hear so often about player-friendly coaches. And I'm wondering, we see in the media, does that mean he's like giving high fives on the sideline like Rex Ryan and Pete Carroll and he's just like a fun guy? But I assume he's also like a pretty hard-nosed badass in coaches and forcing these guys to like really study the hell out of the playbook and all that stuff. I don't think player-friendly coach means the same thing from our side as it does to the players. And I'm curious if one of these these quarterbacks is going to come out and say like, look, I just want to go to a place where there's going to be some coach that's really mean and is just going to like get the get the most out of me like J.K. Simmons in Whiplash, right? Like that is really going to like work me and work me and make me make me better than I even thought was possible as opposed to what we've been hearing about Tom Brady where he went to a place where he got to decide what kind of plays to run and he got to work with the offensive coordinator and he got to be a third coach out there. And I, I don't know, that sounds like a, a much more enjoyable sort of like a retirement version of, uh, you know, how to enjoy your time in the NFL. But I'm curious if someone like Russell Wilson's like, I want a coach that's going to like fucking get me going hardcore. Well, let's take a look at the teams that according to Mike Dugar, Mike Sando, and Jason Jenks, Russell Wilson has told Seattle he's interested in going to. And I think it goes to exactly what you're saying. Some coaches that will push him. First and foremost, let's get the Jets out of the way. The Jets are more about New York than they are about their coaching staff and their players. They're not really there yet with the weapons. They're not really there yet with the team. But being the head coach of the Jets in an AFC East that for the first time feels kind of open, sure, the Buffalo Bills are a great football team, but it's not like the Patriots where it feels like a foregone conclusion. That's Mm -hmm. the reason you go to the New York Jets. The other three are big-time legendary head coaches that will push you. The Dolphins. Let me just explain to everybody right now that every young quarterback that I have, and I'm, let me rephrase that. Every player that I talk to has a man crush on Brian Flores. Sure. Every single one. There's a reason why Deshaun Watson's interested in Miami, and it ain't just because of the weather. It's because what they've built there, the amount of uh, stock they've put in that offensive line, the way that defense is built, and more importantly, Brian Flores, he is Mr. Accountability. So He's that's exactly no talent guy, right? T- uh, yes, takes no talent. Yeah. Saints, Sean Payton one of the greatest offensive minds this game has ever had at the same point, he will absolutely hold you accountable because he has now experienced 20 years of having that offense run smoothly. You can come in and think you can do what you want, but we have done well before you. We will do well after you. Welcome (laughs) to the system. And lastly, the Las Vegas Raiders. You think John Gruden's going to sit there and be like, hey, this Russ man, I like this Russ gay. You know, he's great. Not after he throws four picks. I think that the, the Raiders fulfill Russell Wilson's need for a very strong offensive line. They have big pieces all over the line. You look at uh, how young they are. They really competed last year. They just fell flat because that secondary was a mess. The Saints... You're going for a Super Bowl right away if Russell Wilson is your quarterback. The Dolphins, that's how good Russell Wilson is, that they're going, 
we need to move Tua because the Dolphins will be in the Super Bowl comp- uh, conversation if he goes there. The Jets, that's for New York. I just don't think the Jets are ready yet. And that's not because the Jets fans attacked me last week as if it was Fight Club and they decided to just bash my face in because I said flimsy that they were flimsy. Um, and I don't you, apologize. Do you want to take a moment to clarify that? Because I, I do I would, feel like, yeah, go ahead. We'll tell, tell people what the clip was. The clip was uh, Jamal Adams. And what I had always said about Jamal Adams is this is a man who had fans his entire life uh, that always said he was great. And then when he moved to Seattle, uh, a large part of the Jets fan base turned on him. Now, I didn't really know too much about it. I wasn't talking specifically about the Jets. But what I said to him is, is the thing that professional athletes realize are these fans are flimsy. And I wasn't just talking about Jets fans. This is Eagles fans, Raiders fans, Dolphins fans, Niners fans. When you leave, they don't care about you anymore. And that's not their problem either. It's just, that's what fans are. They root for laundry. And so I was just commenting. It's very funny that they can say, welcome, you're the best. And then all of a sudden, get the fuck out. And that's all I was saying. But of course, uh, but also they really don't have a lot of endurance. It lasted for one day. And then, and then I didn't <laughs> heard about them again. So, you know, Eagles fans will remind you all the time. It's the flip side of that. Uh, you know, anytime someone calls you out for doing one thing, you have to wonder if they would also call you out for doing the exact opposite thing. Because if you were a big Jamal Adams fan in New York, he would say, hell yeah, you're a hardcore New York fan. I love it. You bleed green. You're all about the Jets. And then if you were still a big fan of him when he changed teams, they would say, well, are you really a Jets fan? Are you really a hardcore mm, fan? So true. It, you kind of kind of a fan is hard. You can't have it both ways as a player. Like if you want them to be a hardcore fan of you when you're on a certain team, you should probably expect that they're going to be a little salty if you leave under some uh, some rough circumstances. There are, of course, some examples where someone leaves and the fan base still completely loves you. I think New England still loves Tom Brady. Billy in a lot had of that ways, with but- Brian Dawkins. When he went to Denver, sure. they hated the Eagles for a year. They did not hate Brian Dawkins. <laughs> I mean, the famous example from me uh, growing up was Ray Bork going to the the Colorado Avalanche just so he could pursue a ring, uh, sorry, a Stanley Cup. Um, and he ended up winning one and everyone in Boston was very happy for him. Uh, it was a very strange feeling. But uh, but yeah, if, if you leave and you've said some things in the media that maybe have not been super nice about the New York fans, yeah. I don't know. I feel like you should expect that if you love the fact that they love the Jets so much, you should probably be okay with the fact that they don't love you on another team. It, it's been a, a wild week in the alternative asset world, which I promised on Monday we were going to get into. Part of the reason I'm excited to have Cassius Marsh on is he has a card shop and he has over a $200,000 collection in Magic the Gathering cards. Mm. So we're going to talk a little bit of Seahawks, a little bit of that. And then afterwards, we're going to talk briefly about the wild week that is Top Shot, because we need to touch on this since we are talking about it. So first, here is the interview with Cassius Marsh. It is now time to bring the man in. His hair lived up to the billing. I'm excited. He's always had good flow. Cassius Marsh, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm good, man. Just enjoying my uh, I, I'm going through your IG, and I'm seeing the store that you got, cash cards. I'm like, okay, Pokemon collection. Like, I'm seeing what you got, and I want to get into it. Can we talk football first, though? Yeah, no problem. Okay. You, you've played for a ton of teams. You've been impactful everywhere you've been. You wrapped up this past season. Was it with the Steelers? Yes. 
first and foremost, how was it playing on a defense that was stomping people all year? That had to be fun. Dude, it, it was it was a great time, man. I mean, <clears throat> I played on some great defenses before, and so I, I know the feeling of just being on a team where everybody's just hitting on all cylinders and you've got a ton of talent around you and ton of dudes who really know what they're doing. And that's just such a great feeling knowing that you just, you get to go out there and just focus on you. You don't have to worry about anyone else on the field. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful feeling, man. So I uh, feel really privileged to, to have been a part of that, of that defense and that team, man. I had a good time in Pittsburgh. At the same point, how nice was it after the season to have some freedom? <laughs> That. Dude, well, I was I was talk I was talking to Travis Kelsey about this recently, and I just don't think people realize how how locked up you guys were all season long. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely um, uh, this season more than others. It was it was a pretty big relief just to be able to not have to worry about getting tested every single morning, and uh, you know, there's huge fines that come with like missing your test or not not even being on time or just like the the tracking um and like firing up tracking things and who you can be close to in your locker room and like how long you can be in a certain space and mm. um not being able to go eat at restaurants or be seen out or like constantly being having anxiety about having a mask on or just um not being able I to have a bye stress in your voice yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> oh, that's right because you guys got screwed with the Titans in week two. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I wasn't, I wasn't there for that, but they, I mean, they didn't have a buy when you got yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, and then, but even if you do have a regular buy, like the guys who had regular buys, they had to stay in their city. Like they couldn't. A lot of guys go, you know, go to Hawaii or they go do a vacation with their family to kind of like, you know decompress a little bit and you can't do that because you have to continue to get tested every single day so um definitely a, a big relief um when the season was over to just be able to like kind of live a little bit of a normal life sure yeah uh for you looking ahead to uh next season what what is this off season going to be like whether it's with the steelers free agency what are you thinking um i mean free agency will hit and um i mean i loved my time with the steelers and you know i'd love to to be back with them but uh you know the nfl is is a is a crazy organ a crazy <laughs> organization and uh you know we'll see what happens but i loved my time with the steelers and you know i'd love to be back with them but uh this off season i'll just be training per usual um get together with a couple of my guys that i normally train with here in march and uh get the body right i mean it's a it's a great life we live man just to just to work out and and hang out with friends and stuff like yeah. that so we're we're blessed to be uh pro athletes i saw a bunch of the jerseys in cash cards that you got in the back room where i see you do the breaks and all that and i saw a bunch of seattle seahawks stuff uh the fact that you're doing this and then this morning this enormous article comes out where russell wilson is apparently looking to be traded uh he's given the Seahawks. yeah look at your face the mouth just dropped up oh. he apparently gave them jets raiders dolphins uh and saints as possible options i don't know how serious it is but a lot of the article talked about how it seems as though Russ kind of looks at Pete and is like, I need to be in a better situation. And Pete looks at Russ and is like, well, have we been coddling you? And I'm just curious, 
if you ever saw anything between them, because to us, it always looks like it's hunky dory. What I see you Googling and shit and looking, I'm not making it up. No, no, I um, believe you. I'm just kind of like yeah. faking. I mean, well, okay. How about this? What's your first thoughts as you're, as you're hearing all of this? Um, I'm pretty surprised because, uh, Russell's kind of like, he's, I mean, he's been the golden child there for a really long time. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for Russell and, and, and his game. Obviously, he's been, you know, to me, at least a top five quarterback for the last, you know, I don't know, close to a decade. I mean, he's a great player, great person, uh, amazing teammate, you know, super kind, good person. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I mean, I can't even imagine the thought of that because when I was with the organization, like he just couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't lose. He could do no wrong kind of thing. So, um I, I really, I don't know. We're, we, we were talking earlier. It's an interesting time where quarterbacks specifically seem to be looking around and going, I don't know about this right now. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm curious as a non quarterback, are the rest of the players in the NFL like hell yeah, player empowerment, or are you guys sitting back and being like, man, I wish I was a quarterback so I can just tell the team where I want to go. Yeah. I mean, they're in power positions because they've earned it, you know, because, you know, like Deshaun, like Deshaun's Deshaun Watson situation. Like I feel for him in a big way because I think that, you know, I I, I don't believe just from watching uh, over the last, you know, the, as long as I've been in the league that, you know, the Houston Texans, uh, you know, do things like how some of the top organizations do things is probably the most smart way to say it. Um, So I I sympathize with his situation and I'm like happy for him. And I want, you know, want to see him go somewhere where, you know, he feels, you know, he feels more valued and feels taken care of. And somebody's going to try and build a legitimate team around him because he's a great player and he could, Mm -hmm. he's a contender. You know what I mean? Like if he's on a team, that team is a playoff contender. Um, so I understand that. And, you know, for Russell, uh, he's, he's been lucky to be on some, some really great teams and he's, he's definitely, you know, put a lot and put the offense on his back, you know, a a, a good amount of time while he was there. So I I think, uh, for me, at least I, I'm, you know, I support the players, you know, I want to see them, you know, get the most out of their time in the NFL. I think that, um, you know, it's such a short-lived uh, thing playing playing in the NFL, and so you know he wants to win championships. He wants to be taken care of. I'm, I'm pretty sure he wants uh, a decent O line to protect him. You know, because you know he's a valuable asset to whatever team he's on. So I kind of I kind of get it. I mean, I support both of them regardless. Uh, right. But I mean, it's such a complicated situation. I really. Uh, I really don't know, man. It's pretty crazy. That's wild. I appreciate you answering that. Uh, for now, it is time to transition because the quarterback position it is the Charizard <laughs> of the NFL locker room. Uh, so I want to know: um, w- w- Have you always been into cards? What has been your relationship with them? Yeah, so I was heavy into Pokemon as like a young kid. Um, this when were you sh- born? Nineteen ninety-two. Okay, so 1999 is when they really came out in America. So yes. you were seven. Yeah. So that they hit you right in the oh, wheelhouse. Yeah, exactly. TV shows, I was hooked. Like I would probably watch. I had movie some came out in 2000. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Movie, movie was huge for me. Like huge. I remember going to see it and getting the promo cards. Like in 
theater and all that kind of stuff. So um, I was huge into it, loved the shows. I was on every Game Boy game. I like had to have it and I had to beat it and like wanted to find out all the. the you had to catch them all. Yeah, exactly. The rare candy cheat and like everything. I mean, I was just I was deep into it. And then Yu-Gi-Oh came out. And I was on the Yu-Gi-Oh train as well and like loved that. Like that was, I thought it was just amazing. And the show was really good as well. Um, And then when I was like 11 years old, I went into a trading card shop, uh, a local one in my hometown of Simi Valley. It's called Hidden Fortress, still there today. Um, Great people over there. I walked in there and I was looking for some Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And they were like, well, we don't sell that here, but we sell Magic the Gathering. And I'm like, okay, well, what's that? I'm like, well, there's two dudes over there at the table playing right now. You can check it out and, you know, tell us what you think. I watched the game for probably like 30 minutes and I just loved it, man. The art is is amazing. Um, the actual gameplay is like super competitive and interactive. And um, I just like fell in love, man. My mom gave me uh, a couple of dollars. I think it was five bucks, but I was able to buy like 11 cards because, uh, rares were a dollar uncommons were 50 cents and and, and wow. commons were a quarter so however you do the math i got like 11 cards and i went home and i just cherished them and i just like you know you're a kid you put them in a binder and you just can't get enough of, of flipping through your binder and seeing these cards and that kind of sparked my love and, and from that point forward i was i was heavy into magic man and uh every friday night if i wasn't playing a high school football game I was at Friday Night Magic at Hidden Fortress and sitting there playing games till like midnight, one in the morning sometimes. Wow. Yeah, man. So I've been in it for I've been in it for a really long time. And then, you know, I went to college and and I kind of put it to the side because I didn't think I didn't think anybody would be playing in college. You know, you're talking about something super, super nerdy. I just didn't couldn't imagine that other kids were doing what I was doing. Um, but when I got to college within the first two weeks, there were people there playing. And so I was like, damn, dude, I wish I had my, I wish I had my decks. And, uh, but yeah, man, I've been in it since, since the very beginning. And my, my story with magic is, is, uh, is, is pretty long, but I, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I, I, I've been really lucky. This is the first time I've admitted this of all the games Magic was the one that I actually collected. Yes. I never played a Magic game. Okay. Because I, my one friend, Evan, he was always the one, he was checking eBay before I even knew what eBay was. Okay. And he was, we were always like opening packs and trying to get the Black Lotus. You know what I mean? Like the hunt for the Black Lotus was real. Yeah. But I, I was like, you were like, for me, Matt, the artwork on magic cards yes. for a kid, like kids today will never understand when you didn't have the internet, all you had were like a comic book or a card to really marvel at the artwork. Perfect. And so when you had it, you would just stare at the drawings and you would create these ideas of like how these characters would talk and um, it's mana, right? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. You spend and mana so, to cast spells. And we would, we would, but like everybody would say they were trading cards, but nobody actually wanted to lose their cards. So nobody really wanted to trade. I think you were deeper into it. Um, So then my follow-up question for you then is you become a pro and you get some money. Yeah. And when did you go, I'd like to use some of this money to get back into the things that I loved growing up on? 
So it was uh it was almost immediately after I had got drafted, right? So uh maybe even before. So I was uh, I know I remember exactly when like I sparked the interest to get back into it. Um I was shopping on Rodeo with like with a with an ex-girlfriend and you know, I was just like telling her, you know, like I need something to do. You know, I'm really focused on my lifts and you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to really be in the streets too much. I'm trying to stay focused. I need something to something constructive to do with my time that, you know, I can only lift weights so much. And so we're shopping on Rodeo and we pass by this, this trading card shop. I'm, I'm not even sure what it's called or, you know, what part of Melrose it was on or it wasn't Rodeo, it was Melrose. Yeah. And so we pull up at this shop and I go in there and it's just like, boom, I just got hit with like all the feelings from the past. And I just thought I spent probably a good hour in there and I just knew like I'm back in it. Right. And so, and the best part of the card shop is not only looking at the shit, but it's knowing that the guy behind the counter is going to be able to talk to you about all of it. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And be, yeah, I mean, that that guy that owner i think you know some of these stores have a good amount of stuff like there's magic there's like pretty much everything comic books like some of them do like music in them and i mean it's pretty wild the guy at the store wasn't super like his magic dude wasn't there at the time um so i didn't really get to like chop it up how i would have liked to um did you drop a lot that day? Did you buy a lot? I probably spent like three, four hundred. I just bought like a couple of singles that I liked. Basically, tried to get enough to like build a deck and open some packs and yeah, have some fun. You know, I didn't like drop like any type of crazy amount of money. Um, but to fast forward a little bit, I got to I'm in Seattle, which is basically the hub of Magic the Gathering because Wizards of the Coast, the company that creates it, is based in Renton, Washington, which is the same city that the Seahawks are based in, um, where their facility is in. So I'm out there, I'm going to like a local trading card shop. I'm starting to get more and more into it. And I meet this, my my buddy, uh, my buddy Ben and Thomas, they both were like working there at the time, super into magic, really smart. And they were like, they're probably amazed that like a Seattle Seahawk just walked in. Yeah. yeah. I tried to keep it low. You know, I wasn't like, uh, I tried to just go in there. Huge man. Yeah. 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 I know. I know. (laughs) But actually my boy, Ben is a big boy too. I mean, it's not obvious that he plays ball, but like he's a big boy. So I go, I'm in there and like, I'm playing and they're, they're cool. They're acting natural, which is great. It made me feel at home and stuff like that. And they knew, and we just like, kind of just you know, unspoken thing. I come in here to play magic and it was, it was cool. I was able to be comfortable there. And so long story short, they were like, I was building decks and they were like, dude, you're, you're kind of like wasting your money a little bit. You're, you're, you're playing jank is what it's called. And so jank is like a un, it's like non-tier magic. So you're building decks that just aren't going to be good. Like if you're playing a good deck, you're going to get crushed every time. And so basically they started like educating me more on the game and like teaching me deck building and teaching me like uh, about all Damn, of this. So you're really playing the game. Oh, still. I'm in it, bro. I will crush. I will, like I will legitimately crush people. Like I've got like 30 decks over here, right here. This is my office. I've got like and 30. you treat each deck. Like who am I facing? And I'm going to bring out that certain deck. Oh, and- sure. Oh yeah. Power levels so, that vary. Like if I really want to crush somebody, I'll pull out one certain deck that just like will make them like hate life, you know. <laughs> but I don't play so those would decks you, would against you say, my good friends. Would you say 
you're, you'd be willing to, op- to to levy an open challenge to the rest of any of the NFL that you are the greatest Magic card, oh. Magic the Gathering card player. Oh, by far, by far. I've actually played with some guys like I've mentioned it before. Like me and Doug used to play. Doug Baldwin we used to play uh, here and there. His he's got a, a his brother in law plays and. You know, he's slightly into it. And so we played a little bit um, while I was there in Seattle. And Doug's a great guy. So we had a good time with that. And Taven Bryan with the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's actually into the game. And um, him and his buddy are playing. And I was talking to him about it the other day. I got him, I got him started teaching him like how to build like tier magic decks as well, like helping him like kind of develop his game and stuff. But yeah, I mean, if anybody in the NFL wants to challenge me, like I, I would be happy to crush you like easily. But I mean, I can't I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that there's there's too many guys out there. that I, There can't be many. There, there can't be. Many. Yeah, no, for sure um, not. Uh, so. One thing. Hold on a second. OK, we're good. Um, one thing that has been interesting to me, I got into sports cards back in March and boy, has it been a wild ride. Yeah. What, what we have experienced during quarantine has been absolutely crazy. And there's not a lot of people that are actively playing the games. Pokemon had an explosion. Yeah. Magic, I'm sure, had an explosion. Yeah. Sports cards gone through the roof. Right. And so are, what, what is the collector side of you like? You like to play, but what has it been like for you on the collector side? Um, it's from a magic- what is the biggest card that you got? I'm just going to go right for the, the- <sighs> okay. So I have, um, I've got some, so what you know about the power nine, of course, cause you were hunting for black lotuses. I don't own a black Lotus because I was like, I wanted, I wanted, I, I love the gameplay aspect and black Lotus is the type of card that if I bought, I would never touch it. You know what I mean? So you I never get it graded. Yeah. You know, like- yeah, exactly. I would never make that commitment, but um i bought like probably like eight to ten time twisters which is one of the power nine cards and it's now i mean around 10 grand for one of these cards ungraded um and and i've got ungraded 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 about 10 grand because people really play these cards so the demand is high this card is widely played in commander it's one of the best like um power nine cards i mean they're all really good but um i've got about like eight to ten of those and they're i mean they're around like 10 grand ungraded um but i have one graded time twister it's like an 8.5 and uh i'm not sure what its exact worth is because like graded magic cards are more uncommon uh than a lot of people like you said people play yeah like so once you grade it you can't play with that card anymore so it's a it's an investment I made probably like two years ago, just because, you know, I knew what magic had been doing. What did you get it for at the time? I might have spent like two grand on it. Might spend like two grand on it. And I got a, another graded card. I think I spent like three, 30, 3,400 total. And I got uh, another, uh, another card called Candelabra that's on the reserve list. And I think it's that card's now at like. Well, if Time Twister is 10 grand ungraded. Ungraded. So then an 8.5. You're sitting pretty, man. Yeah, I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad. But I mean, <laughs> I've got some other, you know, I've got some other Power 9 cards that are ungraded. I'm not sure their exact worth. But I mean, I've, uh, my collection's pretty, pretty significant, I'd say. But I mean, some of these guys, man, like I got a buddy worth Worldport. He worked at Wizards for a long time and big sports fan. He's the homie. Um, he bought his house in Bellevue, Washington 
by selling magic cards. And this was like five years ago that he had did this before you know, this boom. before the boom. And if he would have kept those cards, like he could have bought like oh. 10 houses now. You know what I mean? So like it, the the magic, the magic, the gathering is is a is a um, is a game and like a, a culture and, and a business that a lot of people have slept on for a really long time, honestly. Cash cards. What was the reason that you said I want to start my own card shop? And what has it been like to be a part of it? I started cash cards. Be uh, I had always wanted to start a, a card shop. I've been kind of planning it for like the last three or four years. Um, just stacking up sealed product, developing relationships with, you know, different companies within the, um, within the industry and just like learning and talking to different, um, you know, I had a relationship with, a, um, a store called card kingdom. They sell a ton of singles online. Great or a uh, great, um, company. So I was just learning and stuff. And then I started to catch like how the market was just started to explode. And I was just like, man, it, it, it's probably time to do this. You know, the off season's around the corner. This would be good timing. Um, my best friend, Nick, had stumbled upon his Pokemon collection from when he was a kid. And he had a ridiculous collection. He had like eight Blastoise. He had like five Charizards eight venusaurs wow. and then so you can imagine he has in that many shape. of those in decent in pretty good shape yeah and so you can imagine he had that many of those so you could you know how many of the other like foils and like like everything because everything from all that old stuff is just bread so he basically came up on like 60 to 80 k in like pokemon cards and i was just like dude i mean it, this is like a sign you know like let's do this let's start this shop and uh, originally, we we're just going to do Magic and Pokemon. And then, you know, I was like, I'm an NFL player. How can I not do football? You know, just it, I think that'd be bad business. And then it developed to like, you know, let's do basketball. Let's do it all. And I mean, I love trading cards in general. So like, I'm not like biased towards, I mean, I'm a little bit biased towards Magic the Gathering. But, um, you know, we developed cash cards and it turned into something so much bigger than I originally thought. And it's been a ton of fun, man. We're, we're, we're developing some, some awesome partnerships with some of the biggest in the business. And it's just exciting, man. It's a, it's, it's a passion. Breaking? Huh? Are you breaking? Yeah. I'm going to do some breaks. So I've, I've done some, some magic breaks, but uh, I want to know if you get nervous. Cause I've tried to break before and I'll be on like national TV, but I'll be more nervous when I'm breaking. Cause like, I'll watch those guys and they're so entertaining and I'm like, <laughs> struggling to get it open. It's nerve wracking. It's weird. Um, I mean, you know, I've been in front, I mean, just like you, I mean, you're on TV, uh, you know, I've been in front of thousands of people in a game, but there's something weird about like going live on like Instagram and having someone just looking like right at you or like right at your hands and just like, I don't know, it's, it's a trip. I mean, I, I get yeah, a little nervous it. with it too, you know, like, um, but I mean, I think it's just, a, it's like anything, it's a skill that needs development. And so, um, and the, the pass rusher you are, I hear that the main guy that you PC is Chase Young. <laughs> is this true? He, uh, Chase Young is, is definitely a young, great player, man. Um, you know, he's, I think, I think he's got potential to be one of the great ones for sure. And I've heard he's got a great head on his shoulder. Um, I, I actually reached out to him because we have a dude who brought in probably like a, I mean, we've got, we got stuff coming to the shop every day of him purchasing Chase Young, like 
rare rare cards rare rookie cards like um, national treasures oh like, yeah we, we've got about yeah. probably like ungraded like 50k worth of chase young rookie cards wow. and they're just sitting we're we're you know waiting to get everything there in. isn't usually a market for defensive players yeah i mean the the market's n- not as great for overall does that for piss the- you off by the way this is actually a deep hobby question when i first got in everybody told me in football you only collect quarterbacks nobody else is worth it yeah. nba you focus on scores and guards over big men yeah. and i was like but i grew up a brian dawkins fan yeah and it it was this moment where I was like, I could actually build a huge Brian Dawkins PC really cheap. Oh, yeah. Um, but Chase, I feel like because of when he came into the league and cards were already start of getting big. Yeah. So when you're breaking, he was the second pick in the draft. Yeah. I feel like he kind of caught a little bit of that boom, even though he's a defensive player. He did. And I mean, you know, the generational type defensive players do well. Like Von Miller's rookie card is worth, uh, you know, a good amount. Like some of these guys who, um, you know, have a have an image behind them and have a little, you know, a little spice to them and 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 came into the league real hyped and stuff like that. And, and they're real sign- like game record type defensive players. Um, I think that now with with, uh, you know, athletes just having as much influence as they do in the world, I think that some of these defensive players are going to see their card worth go up. You know, um, I, I mean, just from, you know, studying the market on Chase, man, I mean, you know, he once he got announced like defensive rookie of the year, you know, his his cards went up, you know, not the same way that Justin Herbert's cards went up. Um, <laughs> because, you know, he obviously at the same time, one offensive rookie of the year. Um, but it's pretty impressive to see, you know, what is, what his cards are worth, um, where most defensive players like haven't, you know, had that same, that same type of, uh, you know, experience. Have, have you ever had a situation where like you face somebody like a young guy and you were like, Oh shit. I better get his cards before people realize. Like, have you had that moment? I haven't because I, I wasn't uh, prior to, you know, us opening the shop. Like, I I didn't. I wasn't you were a, mainly magic. I was mo- all magic. I didn't collect yeah. like uh, sports cards like that. Like, I collected growing up. I I still have a ton of cards at my mom's house that I haven't even gone through. Um, but it was like I I loved like collecting like you remember those uh those Jordan cards that you got from from Gatorade bottle caps, oh yeah the the, the gold series, oh man like I'll never forget getting those at home like they came in the mail and I'll never forget un un like taking those out and like putting plus them being a kid and getting mail like kids never get mail you know never never exactly <laughs> so for like I I wasn't a big like sports collector uh until like obviously now i'm in the business and stuff like stuff like that but it'll be interesting this year to like you know be playing and 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 kind of be around guys and and having that in the back of my mind like the different value of cards and like watching quarterbacks like have a big game and be like oh well like you know if it's a rookie or uh you know if it's a great player like oh well his his card value just went up like i'm kind of happy about that you know it's it's dude so i i had uh travis kelsey on months ago Mm -hmm. and his tops chrome rookie is an awful photo he's wearing an under armor shirt he's not even sponsored by under armor it was like a combine photo where he's fake catching a pass and right before or right after the afc championship game uh his cards had gone from like 
I don't even know, like $40, $50 to some of them were over like 1500 because of the hype of that. Yeah. And I sent it to him and he was like, you've got to be kidding me that people are paying that much. And I said, you want to see something crazy? And I sent him a picture of Mahomes mm-hmm. and what his prices are. And he was at like, he's over like some, some of his national treasures uh, or like the really rare gold out of tens. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, they're at like $500,000. Yeah, bro. Yeah. And, and, and I, this is actually a question for you as like someone that you're a rookie and you, you probably signed a deal with Panini, you know what I mean? And you maybe you had to do some autos. Do you think, do you think that NFL players, when they get the cards sent to them this year, will, will try and keep a few extras because now everybody has been talking about it for a year and maybe in the past they were like, I don't even want to do this. I think that if they're smart, absolutely. Um, especially quarterbacks, you know, these quarterbacks are getting paid like up to $5 million for some of these, uh, for some of these, uh, trading card contracts. I mean, they're getting really, really, I didn't know it was that big. they're getting paid for these, for these, for these trading, um, trading card contracts because of the type of money that is being made on them, you know, and they're signing them and, you know, that whole process, if I'm, you know, an up and coming QB in this in this draft and I'm doing these deals, you know what I mean? I'm making sure that I get a significant amount of of my rookie cards to to hold on. So so I can bet on myself because, um, you know, I don't know which one of these QBs is going to be the next guy. You know, there's a lot there's a lot of potential guys in the league right now. But if I'm them, you know, I want I want like two, 300, you know, significant, like pretty rare cards that I can hold on to so that when I'm a great player one day and, and the value of my cards is going through the roof, I'm, I'm benefiting from it as well, rather than like, you know, all the people who everybody else is benefiting from it. Like, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like buying into a company. Like I need some of that stock too, you know? I'm looking at uh, eBay right now, and boy, there's a lot of Cassius Marsh U.S. Army All-American cards <laughs> uh, where you have zero hair, yeah. which is really fun to look at. Yeah, and I'm like, uh, I'm like 40 pounds heavier. Like, yeah, you were because you were playing defensive tackle back. I then, was a three right? technique coming out. Yeah, jeez. So we got some Bowman Chromes available, some Top Strata. Yeah. I'm trying to see. So you're the 2014 class, which low-key. Great class. One of the best draft class of like the last 30, 40 years. Oh, for sure. Maybe ever. Yeah, some very significant players. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Tons of wide receivers. Oh, yeah. I mean, defensive linemen, too. I mean, our class defensive line-wise was was pretty deep. Who else was in your class? Aaron Donald, D. Ford, Davion Clowney. Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack, sorry. Yeah, (laughs) I should have been the first. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Aaron Donald, Donald, Khalil Mack, I should just say that. Uh, But, I mean, ton of guys, like, um, a lot, bro. Yeah. so your top strata card, now that I'm looking at it, you are literally doing the LeBron silence. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was like that's my, I did that's awesome. Talk about that. Yeah, that was like my first sack in the preseason. And um, you know, I was trying to figure out like what I wanted my ce- celebration to be, my sack dance and all that. And um, you know, I, I I'm a big fan of of LeBron. Um you know, for his on, uh, you know, for what he does on the court, but you know, I'm a huge fan of him off the off the court because you know the more than an athlete type thing, 
Um, sure. I really admired that that part about him. And so, like, you know, I'm just I'm just a fan of LeBron. And obviously his celebration is pretty dope. Um, so I gave it a shot, you know, but it wasn't it wasn't my celebration. You know what I mean? A lot of people, you know, they liked it or whatever, but it just it never stuck. But that was like the first sack that I ever had in the preseason. So I think that's why. they. And you didn't know that that was what they were going to put on the card. Oh, I had no clue. I had no. Clue. And then and then did you get like, how did how did you find out? I, I mean, I didn't find out until like somebody sent me like cards to have them. See so, you now like people send you. Well, I don't know that you would know, but like fans, fans send like mail and stuff into the into the facilities. And a majority of the time, it's like they send your your card in there and like, hey, I'm a huge fan. They write you a long letter. Sign this card. I put the return mail in here. And so. I saw it for the first time and I was like, oh, that, that's, that's pretty tight. Like, you know what I mean? It was, it is tight. It was a cool little moment, man. Yeah. Look how big you were in that U S army. Crew. Bro. I mean, enormous. Yeah. There's some, um, there's some college pics of me, man, where I'm like, I'm close to like 300 pounds, which is just mind boggling <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Oh, this one. I mean, this, you don't even look like the same guy. Yeah, dude. That yeah, that's at my high school. That was like at the. Uh, look at that signature too, man. Like I was trying to figure oh, out a wow, lot. Of that's. <laughs> yeah, look at that signature. I was trying to figure out a lot of. You stuff look like a that. heavy metal band. Yeah. Or like a really rough tattoo. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad, but it's you know you know you, it's growth. It's growth. Growth. <laughs> um. So uh, as I saw the video panning the Pokemon collection that you guys have right now. Well, it blew me away. I'm going, okay, Bulbasaur. Like I'm seeing like all the hollows. I have one. I have a PSA 10 uh, Red Cheeks Pikachu. Uh, for, oh, he made the face. Nice. That's um, I got, yeah, I got that a few months ago because uh, when, I, when I got it, this was before Charizard went from 50 grand to 300 grand. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was like, okay, I'm not spending that much money on a Charizard. Yeah. But when I think of Pokemon as a Pokemon casual, I think of Pikachu. Yeah. When I think of the movies, I think of Pikachu. Yeah. And if it's going to boom, it's going to be that. Yeah. But um, well, you I were, guess to, ha to – what were you going to say? Um, you were right on that. Like Pikachu, outside of Charizard, Pikachu is definitely the most significant Pokemon. But it's life. not even close it's, in terms because, – because in that first edition set, Pikachu doesn't have a hollow. Yeah. And people care more about the hollows than anything. Yeah. Um, how how do you guys as a store? I mean, it's up there. It's kind of like art, but at the same point, as the prices keep going and going and going, and I feel like we're going through. An, are we going through another boom right now for Pokemon? I think. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're just in the infancy of like of um, you know this this boom in the market uh, because really you you think we're still early in it? I do because here's the thing, like people have had the time to go find their collections and go see if they have cards that are, are worthy of being graded and that are significant cards, you know, and, um, Oh, you think we're done. We may have a special guest. Yeah, sorry. My you, son's trying to pop in here right now. He's here on the pokey talk. He's so cute. Um, so yeah, but, <laughs> but, but wait, my, my only question for that would be, isn't there a chance that a lot of those cards are still sitting at PSA? I think and that, that they have been graded. Oh, for sure. I think that there's a good amount of cards at PSA sitting there waiting to come out. But like the thing is, is that after that initial surge, 
like you're talking about really old, like rare cards. So um, the the availability for these cards is going to be limited. And there's a lot of people who are going to sit on these on these collections mm -hmm. because of how much they're worth. And like a lot of people who are collecting significantly, like don't need the money now, you know, mm -hmm. so it's a it's a long, long term play. And I think that it's going to get more and more limited and stuff from like first edition is just going to continue to climb and climb and climb um any of that any of those first three sets i think are just going to be i mean i think i think there's if somebody came in if somebody came in with stacks and they said i want every single card i mean it would depend on what kind of stacks you were talking about you know i've seen a good amount of money before so like yeah, it, yeah. if somebody brought in like a million dollar briefcase and was like i want all the pokemon cards all the graded stuff you have in here. Yeah. I'd probably, I would think about it. Right. I would think, but about I it. can sense though, that you're also so confident in it long-term that you're like, this is even a sale that I would might regret in five, 10 years. Yeah, no, for sure. Wow. I, I think for sure that that's the case, man. I think, I mean, it's the same thing. Like with my buddy, we were talking about who bought a house with his magic cards. Like if he didn't do that, he'd be able to buy 10 houses with the collection that he had now yeah. and it, with this turn with this current day and the magic market's not exploded nearly the same way yeah, that the pokemon think, market has i don't think the magic uh, market has really had a boom but i have heard ken golden talk about uh magic is is one of the other sectors that he thinks that that has a top end like what are the the big grails other than the Black Lotus? So you've got Black Lotus, you've got Mox Emerald, Mox Pearl, Mox Ruby. Um, uh, you've got the Time Twister, you've got Time Walk, and uh, it's Mox Opal, and then Mox Sapphire. So those are the Power Nine, right? All nine of those cards. And, there, and there's the reserve list. So the reserve list is just all the cards that will never get reprinted again, like super old stuff. And there's cards on there that nobody even plays with that are worth like hundreds of dollars. It just makes no sense. But um, stuff on the reserve list, like it, it, it's been creeping and creeping and creeping over time. Like it's been making spikes. What's your grail? What's your grail that you haven't gotten yet? The Black Lotus is definitely my grail. I mean, it's it's just so iconic. And I've thought about it several times in in my collecting days on like should i fire you know because people send me stuff you know they know i know have money to buy stuff like that and so they send me collections that include black lotuses and i'm like i'm always like oh god like i want to do it but like you know do i want to spend do you regret it now having not made the play I don't, I don't regret it because you know i did it for you know, the reasons I did it was so that I could play more magic and build more decks. And that's what I really, truly enjoy about. That's what you love. Yeah, that's what yeah. I love about the game. You're more of, you You really play. You're not in it for the collecting and the investment. I, well, I'm, I'm in it for all reasons, but like, I love playing magic. Like this pandemic and not being able to play like paper magic with my friends is, 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 has been rough, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say maybe a little bit of regret from like a businessman standpoint. Like, uh, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like not investing in Tesla, you know, four years ago. Give, give me an example of a year and how much it was offered to you for. 
I could have got you remember. Yeah. I mean, we could go back probably like two, like three in the three years when I was still in Seattle. Um, I got offered a black Lotus to me for like 15, maybe 18 K. I think it was like around that. And okay. I think the, the condition on it wasn't super impressive. It might've been like a six or a seven, you know, nothing that, um, I would have like considered a grading at the time, you know, I would just held on to, but you know, that card, what would you say that is now? Yeah, probably like 30, 40 K now, you know, easily, but the, and, and how, how rare is it of the upper level grades? It is, oh, the, like a 10 is very rare. There's not many of yeah. them out there. Like the one that just sold for a million, I'm not sure. I think it sold for a million. So one of them sold for a million, and then on the very next day they sold another ten, and it went for like five hundred and something thousand. So, but they did it back to back. They did it on back to back days, which I don't think was very smart. Um, But I'm pretty sure Post Malone bought one of those. What? I'm pretty sure Post Malone bought one of those. He's a he. He likes magic, man. I'm. 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 I've been trying to get a hold of this guy because, like, if he's a magic player, like, I got, I got to talk okay, to this here, guy. Here's the video. We have, we have Cassius Marsh, NFL player, enormous, enormous magic player and collector. Yeah. And and if you do, you have a message for Post Malone. Yeah, bro. I mean, if if you're interested in talking about magic and coming to the shop, man, please reach out because uh, it, it it'd be huge. It'd be huge for the community. For somebody like you to come out and accept the the game of magic, I know a lot of like young kids look up to me for like owning, you know, my nerdiness. And uh, I think that I think that it'd be huge for a lot of young kids to see a guy like Post Malone like being into magic. I think it, it'd have a significant um, impact on a, on a lot of people, and it'd also just be really cool to talk magic with you, man. So yeah, that's because it's not called it's not called Magic the Isolation. It's not. It's called Magic the it's Gathering, Magic man. We got to get together. Gather. That's, that's uh, a very good point. I see. I you are someone that has had tattoos for a very long time. A lot of different characters and stuff. Do you have any Magic the Gathering tattoos? I do. I have. Uh, I have the uh, the Mana Cycle here on my. I can't really turn and show you, but right here, wow. it's like the yeah. Mana Cycle, um, right here on my thumb. Um, and then I plan, I have a, I want to sleeve my whole leg in like a anime, um, like 90s cartoons, Pokemon, like all the stuff that I love, uh, you know, because I'm just a huge nerd. So all that stuff, I plan to get that sleeved on my leg. So Ma- I'll have another magic tattoo on, on that leg at some point, but tattooing hurts. So I got to get there. <laughs> Uh, if you guys want to check out the shop, it is Cash Cards. Is it Cash Cards Unlimited? Yes. So it is Cash Cards Unlimited. You guys open on February 26th. Yeah, tomorrow. What? Our grand opening is tomorrow, yeah. So really all of your experience thus far, I feel like you've been open digitally. Yeah, no, our website, cashcardsunlimited.com, has been been up for probably a little over two weeks now, which we've been doing well. Um which was had, and you're doing been, breaks and everything. Yeah, doing the breaks and, and just like getting, you know, figuring things out. You know, I wanted to be prepared. But the physical store opens in Westlake Village, California, oh. Fred, February 26th. Yeah. Congratulations, man. You did it. I appreciate it, bro. We're, I mean, we're pumped, man. Um, it's it's going to be great. We're going to have some cool people out. I mean, it's got, it's closed to the public because 
um covid yeah, and pandemic. We wanted to yeah keep it private and keep everybody safe but yeah it'll be it'll be a fun event Awesome. If you're in California, check it out. Follow Cassius Marshall on social at Cash Cards Unlimited. Open it up with your guy, Nick. Uh, thanks to Nick for helping set this whole thing up. Yeah. We appreciate it. And uh, you're making me want to go look at magic cards, bro. So hey. we're going to try and get Post Malone to the store. We're going to see if it's possible. Yeah, let me know. Let me know how that goes, man. Come through anytime, bro. You, we talk magic all day long. You. I appreciate your time, bro. Awesome, bro. Have a great day, yeah, man. You too, man. Talk soon. All right. Thank you to Cassius. He is the man. Uh, Ingber. Let's actually do uh, the um, a little a little bit of some basketball, which I think will transition us into the top shot conversation and setting some lineups. So what are we doing? We did this a few weeks ago. What are we doing now? Well, the great people over at Stat Hero, they have provided us with a lineup. This is their rivals contest where you choose five players and you stay under the salary cap of $50,000 and then you get to go head to head. I think you might have beaten the computer last time, I did. right? I you did. beat the game. Yes. Did you get, you know, you got your payout? You... I got I got $10, $20 and it's sitting in there ready to go. So yeah, I want to talk spend it, it out on? with Are you Are you going right to double here? it down? Okay. You're gonna, let's talk it out. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at it and I'm targeting their, um, uh, their two point jumper lineup. So in the NBA one, it seems as though you have, uh, an MVP, three positions and two flexes. Am I right? So it's an, yes. MVP. And the MVP is worth twice as much. So if you really believe that that person's going to go off, that's the one you got to put in the MVP spot. First of all, Stat Hero, well done choosing Dame Lillard in a Friday night matchup against the Lakers. Uh, this is a Lakers team that is in a bit of a free fall right now, having lost five in a row, which is kind of scary. And we do know one thing, though. Lakers, they come, they go. Uh, Saturday through Sunday, Monday. Dame Lillard, though, is a really nice pick. Um, I will say that I am targeting, and this I'm going to focus only on my MVP. I don't want to give away my whole lineup because I don't want to ruin the odds. So these are the different MVPs that I'm thinking about right now. I'm either thinking about, I'm not going Trey Young. He's facing the thunder. Lou Dort scares me because if he starts defending you, you don't know what's going to happen. Right. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the jazz taking on the heat and I'm going, you know what? I'm not really sure. Uh, I have a feeling that Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler are going to be very upset that they didn't get into the all-star game. They might turn it up. And I think the Heat and the Nuggets are two teams that I'm circling as big second-half teams because of the injuries they've dealt with. Clippers have been good. I think the guy that I'm focused on, though, as my low-key, yeah, definitely, my low-key MVP, De'Aaron Fox. Oh, sure, the speedster. Sacramento taking on Detroit. Uh, I think his mouth is watering and I think he's going, I'm going to dial it up and I'm going to absolutely attack this lineup on a Friday night, get the good vibes going. I don't know. What do you think? Darren Fox is my MVP. Well, I like your thinking because uh, it's become sort of an insult in the NBA when you refer to someone as good stats, bad teams. But hey, if someone's going to be good stats against bad defenses, you might as well be able to cash in on it, right? Like if you 100%. think Zach Levine can score 40 points against a bad defense and that's some mark of him not being like a truly great player, well, sure, you could use it at stathero.com, right? Yes, exactly. I will also say uh, that if you're like me and you're watching a ton of basketball these days, 
uh, low key game that I'm super excited about. Uh, also at 10 o'clock, if you're, if you're trailblazers, Lakers ends up being boring, go on a league pass Hornets warriors, mm. mellow ball, Steph Curry, that is going to be a very fun game to watch. I, I'm going to fill out the rest of my stat hero tomorrow uh, or Friday when this comes out to see most of it. But I think I'm going to do De'Aaron Fox, and I will take a screenshot and put it on social. So thanks again to the people at Stat Hero. Always fun. And I'll see if I can beat them again, and we'll talk about it next week if I knock them off. And I just um, want to throw this in there, a little promo code, LEFTGO show for a 50% bonus match on your first deposit. Again, that's stathero.com. And the coolest part about it to me, and I think you agree, is that you're not playing against thousands and thousands of other people out there. You're not playing against thousands of lineups. You go against their lineup. You look at who they've got and you say, I can beat them. Right. Uh, so that is LEFTGO show, spelled L-E-F-K-O-E show. Um, Monday... Ingber, you couldn't tell me that top shot wasn't going to be huge. Now I'm sitting here and as the NFT market, the non-fungible token market has exploded where we are seeing, is it Nyan Cat, Neon Cat? Oh, the little like, kitty thing that Dapper Labs made? Well, no. So remember that old GIF, GIF back in the day of the cat with the Pop-Tart body with the oh, rainbow that, farts? Sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Well, the guy that originally created it turned that into an NFT and sold it for over $600,000. Wow. We've reached peak non-fungible token moment. Uh, companies like SoRare, which is doing soccer NFTs, Topshot, which is NBA NFTs. I talked to someone today that in January put $13,000 into Topshot, and currently it's valued at over a million. Just think about what I just said. For those that don't understand it, a non-fungible token is really a certificate of authenticity of an item that exists on the blockchain. The phrase non-fungible means it cannot be changed. That is it. People that go with Top Shot, which is the easiest one for me to explain because it has been deemed digital basketball cards. It has very similar qualities. You open them in packs. Some of them are out of 49. Some of them are 250. Some of them are out of 15,000. And those are common cards. And the people can go, oh, I can just screen record this on YouTube. You can also print out a picture of the Mona Lisa. That's not the Mona Lisa. The token that exists on the blockchain, if I'm gonna try and do this simply, a blockchain is a ledger, AKA it's a list. If David Ingber has an item and he sells it to me, and then I sell it to Mark Van Reith, and then he sells it to Tracy, it's all written down on the blockchain so that you can't throw in a screen record and you also can't take it off. That's why a blockchain is so great because it's all transparent. But what's happening with Top Shot is crazy, David. I am watching um, Halliburton from the Kings uh, implore the media to buy a Top Shot, to which they say, do you know what we make? There are thousands of dollars. And then he goes, it's only going up, which is the scariest thing that people say. I am watching Terrence Ross say, check out my YouTube channel. I'm going to be opening up packs tonight. I heard a story that Josh Hart walked off the court the other day and said, man, I hope I made a good top shot tonight. We've reached peak mania. 
And I love when you're here because I get to just kind of ask you from someone that's not in that world all the time of this NFT stuff going on. What's your, what's your feel on it? Well, the word peak scares the hell out of me in almost any uh, gambling or investment situation that we all saw what happened with GameStop a few weeks or a month ago that it was really peak for a while and then it went way down. It went from a peak of about 400 down to a, a low of about 40 and now it's sort of on the, the up and up again again on Thursday, but a lot of people are being very nervous about that. So I think it's very easy right now as we record, which is sorry, what is it? 130 right now. Yeah, it had a, a nice little bounce back, but people were very hesitant and understandably so because a lot of people lost a ton of money if they bought high. Um, and with something like Top Shot, it's I remember when you brought up cards to me about a year ago and you were saying it's really exploding right now. And there was this slow, smooth acceleration of people talking about it over the course of the summer into the fall. And it really felt like it was here to stay. Top Shot feels like it went from, wait, what is this? To, oh my God, everyone's talking about it. And I don't know if it has the staying power. I could be totally wrong. I'm an idiot about this stuff. As you know, I'm here to be the person that doesn't know about this stuff. That's what I'm here for. How about this? A few weeks ago, Chris Vernon, he hosts the Mismatch in the Ringer, had me on his radio show after I was a part of that John Moran sale. I talked about Top Shot for 30 minutes. Him and his producer went out and bought a few. They're up thousands and he is so appreciative and I have not done what he has done. But let me explain my, because the people that listen to this show, I want to give you what my advice would be and I would give you my long-term read on the situation. The long-term read on the situation and I am in talks right now with Roham, who is the founder of all of this. We are going to have him on this show. He is interested. I'm going to connect with his people, AKA I'm going to send an email where I'm going to CC Ingber and then they're going to connect. It's a great system. I'm really excited with how it's going. Uh, but cause I, I want to come and ask him the dumb questions and the hard questions, but here's the big thing. I know they are planning to turn this into a game. I know that on NBA 2k that they are literally making I think FIFA made like $6 billion on people buying stuff for, to play in the game. And so that I believe is the next evolution of Top Shot is they're not just moments that you collect, they're moments that you use in a game type of atmosphere. So there's a long-term plan for this. Also, it's important for my listeners over the age of 21 to understand that this is not weird to the younger generation. Having digital assets is normal. Doing the in-app purchases on Candy Crush or NBA 2K, it's not a waste of money to them. It's life. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, I'm really trying to talk to the older people that listen because they're like, but I can't hold it. And I want you to understand that this younger generation doesn't want to hold it. Like they're not interested in holding it. Um, also, I want to say that I think it's important to note the NBA is getting like 5% or 2.5% of all these transactions. On Monday, Dapper Labs with Top Shot did $50 million in sales. I think Tuesday it was like 25. Um, but the NBA, we are in the midst of a pandemic. They do not have fans in arenas. Denver hasn't had fans in the entire season. Brooklyn just started allowing 300 fans in on Tuesday. That's no tickets. That's no concessions. Again, it's a 72-game season, so that's 10 games in which they're losing money. We're having an all-star game to really recoup a lot of television revenue. And you're telling me that out of thin air, 
crypto art based around the NBA using its license that they get a cut of has arrived and there's a chance the league can make a few hundred million dollars on this, you're telling me that you don't think that they're going to support it. The NBA players are already supporting it. Mark Cuban is doing live interviews where he's saying it's better than sports cards, which I just want to say to everybody, don't compare it to sports cards so that people can understand it and then shit on sports cards. They're completely different things. One is a non-fungible token. The other is a collectible memorabilia asset. They are different things entirely. So don't use one to explain your confusing ass object and then dis may the other i'm not gonna stand for that shit i'm just not gonna stand for it was but, i doing that or are you just coming no 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 no. Okay. i see i uh, like i was saying mark cuban mark cuban's like it's just like trading cards but better and i'm like it's not the same thing it's not is there less friction do i need to use the u.s postal service and understand sets and understand grading no i don't so there's definitely less friction but it's a different thing entirely. So I just want to state that my advice to people, if they're interested in top shot, do not collect these commons. Do not collect Alec Burke's moments. Do not go out there and get a Jared Allen pass. Focus on the big players, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Luca, Focus on that. I'm seeing a lot of people with these collections, these randoms. And if I've learned anything from cards, once this market does settle down, the class that gets screwed is the middle class. Mm. People that have rare cards of the big name athletes are making a killing. If you want to prospect rookies like LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards because you think they can get there, that's one thing. But if you're sitting there and going, everything goes up, eventually everything is going to go down because that's how markets adjust. And so my concern for it in the long run is, is it something that people want to collect or is this like GameStop, something people are just trying to make money on? And if you're just trying to make money on, when it does start to reset, a lot of people are going to sell. And I'm telling people in the 33%, don't be caught holding the bag. Now is your time, if you have a lot of moments, to flip them into a bigger name guy. If you still want to be in top shot, which I think it's going to continue to be huge. I am just saying, get out of those middles. And also, the thing that's scaring me the most, Amber, and the reason I wanted to go on this rant, is everyone that is explaining it, the main thing they're saying is, it keeps going up. That's their main reason. And that is not in any financial world a good reason. That's what they said about GameStop. And, and I don't care that it's gone back up. There's a lot of people that got in at 300, 350 that are sitting there. The other thing I want to say to everybody that I learned in cards is do not try to time this market. Do not say, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm, I'm up 500% right now. I'm going to wait until Dame Lillard plays, gets that win. Trust me, I got screwed on that in cards. My number one rule is sell before the event. What's the old phrase? What is it? Sell the news? Buy the hype? Sell the news? Oh, I was thinking, yes, write the story while the ball is in the air would be another one where it's like, if you think there's a big game that's coming up, a lot of people are going to be thinking the same way that you're thinking. Or if there's a big Super Bowl coming up, if whatever, they want to be there right at the end, right after Luca hits that big three, sell it before the game. And then if he yes. doesn't hit the three, you still made a nice little uh, mint. 
And I, I, you know what? That's a perfect example. You know how many game-winning threes Luca has in his life in the NBA? He's got two. He's got the Clippers one, and he had that one on Tuesday night where I got to talk to him afterwards. And But we think, oh, this is every game. They're, they're always sell to the other people that are trying to join into the hype for the game. Could he hit a game-winning shot? Absolutely. I'm going to bet against it. It's a rare thing. He's played now hundreds of games. It's happened twice. Mm-hmm. Stop thinking that it happens every fucking game. It doesn't. So that's my little rant on Top Shot. Um, I will say that I'm bullish for the main reason I said about business. The NBA found gold. And if you don't think that the NFL and Major League Baseball and, and all these other leagues and hockey are like, how do we get that? But always remember that the one that came around first is the one that's going to own this. So I'm still wrestling with it uh, because I still in my head, am a millennial that is still dealing with those questions of, is this real or not? But I, I do think that the NBA, excuse me, has stumbled on a gold mine. And the reason I want to talk about it is I feel like I have to talk about it on that Tuesday show. Like I think NBA on TNT is the show of record in the NBA. And if the NBA players are talking about it and the NBA media is talking about it and Brian Windhorst is writing five page articles about it, it needed to be talked about, but uh, definitely something interesting to watch. For sure. I never know if those are good or not. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but dude, the funniest thing is, is Bleach Report reached out to me and they want me to do an explainer video of Top Shot. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but at the same point, I, I don't know if I get it. You know what I mean? Like, that's the hardest thing is, is I can do an explainer, but uh, I'll probably just say a lot of what I just said. Yeah, I, that's honestly, that's if you read enough of people like you that are sort of stumbling through what they think they're hearing and what they've seen and what they've read, you watch five or six of those, right. you start to feel like you've getting, you're getting a sense of the, the consistent information. That's exactly how I learned to play poker was mm-hmm. I read a couple of books. The first one felt like nonsense. The second one started to feel like it was making a little sense. The third, fourth, fifth one, now I feel like I know what I'm talking about. Then you start watching it on TV, you start watching it on right. YouTube, you start playing the game and you start really feeling like, oh, that little piece of information it didn't really make sense at the time but now that i'm in the moment i start to understand it you just you 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 make your information based on what you have and i and i want to say one more thing before we wrap up if you are feeling fomo you cannot submit to it and this isn't anything you need to do the research and i know this seems like a cop-out but you can go to 137 p.m they have an article called what is top shot the new york times has written an article espn has written an article and bleacher it, report bleacher report you can go on clubhouse you can go on discord chats you can learn about it and i just implore people to learn because then you're going to make smarter decisions the other thing that i'm going to say is the, the other dumb thing you can do is completely write it off and just say, I'd rather not even think about it because if it interests you at all, we need to be scientists and we need to experiment and we need to have hypothesis. And if you just go in there and go, that's dumb, you can't hold it, blah, 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 but I'm going to trust cards. This is for all the people that are in the hobby. You can't tell me that the Top Shot world is made up and not real and you're holding up cardboard pictures of tiny men and telling me that is. (laughs) So I'm just saying, open your mind. 
and just test things and don't do anything. Don't spend any money that you can't lose. Okay. Because that's now what we're doing here. But if you want to be a part of it, be a part of it. If you don't, if this entire rant, you're like, I don't get it. Then you know what? Like learn, read a little bit about it. And if it still don't like it, then get the hell out. But don't, don't ever, cause that's what I did with Bitcoin and I'm still kicking myself. Eh, eh, I, I don't want to be a part of it. I'm an idiot. I fucked that up. So uh, for David Ingber, to all the West Coasters out there that have been making fun of me for trudging through the snow for the last few months, I want to let you know something. You will never appreciate your weather the way I appreciated a 52 degree day yesterday. I went outside, barely had a jacket on. It was 52 degrees, the snow was melting, and I was like, I'm gonna appreciate the hell out of this spring and summer so much in a way that you LA folks will never understand. Uh, I am the L-E-F-K-O-E man in Ingber. If you can see that this part of my face has a little bit of color, that's because yesterday in Atlanta, 72 degrees on the roof, and I was sitting there like a dog in the sunshine of your living room, just soaking it all up, and I appreciated it because I was in New York. You're absolutely right. This has been the Left Coast Show. Uh, thanks again to Cassius Marsh. Thanks again to Stat Hero. Good luck out there. We will holla, holla, holla at you later, please.